U.S. soccer fans, hello and welcome. This is episode 13 of the Stars and Stripes FC podcast. We are back uh, just a little over a week before the beginning of the NWSL Challenge Cup. We will discuss the schedule there. Uh, Also, MLS is back. We will be discussing the tournament that will take place for MLS down in Orlando at the beginning of next month. We'll also get into the Bundesliga and how Fox hasn't really taken advantage of this pandemic to bring us coverage. And we will close with the return of the European leagues and how they have approached the issues of racial injustice in a way that begs the question, will the American leagues come correct? We begin, however, with the NWSL and the Challenge Cup. It is the first pro league in the United States to return to play uh, after the coronavirus pandemic forced everything to a grinding halt. It takes place, it, it begins next Saturday, June 27th, when the North Carolina Courage face the Portland Thorns uh, at Zion Bank Stadium in Utah. This is the home of the Utah Royals, the, the Academy of Real Salt Lake and it is where the NWSL Challenge Cup will take place. All nine teams are participating, and they've been broken up into uh, sort of groups. And as they move forward from nine teams, eight of them will make the quarterfinals, and from there they will have a bracket-style knockout stage leading up to the championship, which would be on Sunday, July 26th. Now, we've seen some reports of some of the players that possibly might not be participating in the NWSL Challenge Cup. We've heard about uh, such stars as Megan Rapino and Kristen Press. Those are the two names that have been thrown out. But right now, we're not sure uh, whether or not those players uh, or others are part, are expected to participate. Utah is in a state where uh, coronavirus rates and numbers are going up by the day. It's obviously caused some concern over whether the tournament will take place uh, as it currently stands. It, we, we expect it to take place, but who will be will be able to go? That is the question. I think when we talk about some of these players, obviously the concern is whether or not they get sick. And obviously if they get sick, will they infect a team, an entire league? Everyone at, in the league is supposed to be stationed in the same place. Will that affect this tournament? And that's obviously a question that we will see. They are the first of the pro leagues in the United States to return. So uh, they will have a nice, shiny magnifying glass on them for the first couple of weeks of this tournament as the rest of the of the nation figures out whether or not this will work and whether or not putting an entire league into one facility, into one, you know, playing on one field, whether that is the idea and whether that keeps everyone safe. Now, when it comes to the times for some of these games, all the games are coming on at 1230 Eastern time and 10 p.m. Eastern time, which is kind of weird because you you have a very, you know, a midday game and then you have a very night game. And it's interesting to see uh, that they went with those two uh, time. And you're talking about, some of these teams on the East coast where their fans are going to have to stay up late to watch them play. Uh, for me being here in Washington, DC, the Washington spirit will be playing on July 4th against OL rain. And that will be the 1230 game followed by uh, at 10 PM later on that night, the Chicago red stars facing the Utah Royals. Now 
the Utah Royals came out with an incredible jersey the other day. Uh, it's their new home jersey and one that uh, I think they should be proud of when it comes to uh, representing as the home team for this tournament. But I think the question remains is whether or not this tournament serves as the 2020 schedule or if there will be games that go forward after this. I know when it comes to Major League Soccer, that is the idea. But for NWSL, this tournament could serve as the only games we see from the league in 2020. Now, it will be interesting to see how this tournament plays out because I think the rest of the nation has their eyes on it simply for the fact that it is the first tournament to come back and also because it is the first league to have everyone positioned in one location the nba and mls are planning on doing that next month but the nwsl is already going to be doing it starting next week so we will see how they progress but i'm looking forward to this tournament it's after a year where the women uh the united states women uh just destroyed everybody at the women's world cup and nwsl had record number of uh, eyeballs on it uh record number of fans record number of attendance all eyes are on this league and and the momentum from that, how does that carry into 2020? Obviously this was supposed to be a huge year for the league until the coronavirus pandemic forced it to uh, delay its start to this tournament. And I'm really looking forward to seeing the play on the field. I'm looking forward to seeing how these teams respond, how the league responds to having this attention and really they need to capitalize on it. I think this is a great opportunity to showcase the league it's hope, you know, hopefully all the players and the, and the staff and everyone associated with this tournament can remain safe, that no one gets sick uh, while this tournament is going on. But when it comes to the play on the field, I am all in. I am excited about this. And really, uh, this is going to be a major test for the league. And I think they are ready to pass that test. All of these games can be seen on CBS All Access. Uh, that is a pay service that you have to kind of subscribe to. But for $6.99 per month, you can do it month to month. So really you can do it for this tournament and see every single game. The opener uh, featuring the North Carolina Courage and the Portland Thorns, as I mentioned, that will be on CBS, big CBS. And they will have reruns for all of these games on CBS Sports Network. So there's plenty of ways to watch all these games. I hope you guys tune in and check them out because I think this is an important time for the league and really is going to be a time where we'll be able to see some very competitive soccer uh, amongst the women. There is not a lot of women's leagues that have returned since the coronavirus pandemic forced a shutdown of everything. Uh, Only a few have come back. And this is obviously one of the best, if not the best league in the world for women's soccer. Can these ladies respond on the field? That remains to be seen, but I think they are ready for that challenge. Again, the NWSL Challenge Cup starting next Saturday, a week from Saturday in Utah. Looking forward to all of it. And right on the heels of the NWSL is Major League Soccer. And soccer is back with a tournament that is called MLS's Back Tournament. Now, I think we can work on the name. I don't think I think they were so quick to rush back to playing soccer that they forgot to work on a nice little cool name for this thing. But MLS is back tournament. It is. And we will proceed. They will be playing in Orlando and they'll be playing at the wide world of sports complex at Walt Disney World. 
this is going to be an interesting test because when it comes to Major League Soccer, a lot of these teams are in markets where because of the coronavirus lockdowns and shutdowns and quarantines that have been in their local jurisdictions, a lot of them haven't practiced very much since. And some of them, DC United being one, uh, New York City FC, these guys haven't practiced but maybe less than a week as a team. And in a week's time, they're going to be traveling to Orlando to participate in this tournament, which begins on July 8th. So it's going to be a major test. This I am not looking forward to the play on the field so much because initially is going to be sloppy. We have to expect that if you've seen any of the European leagues as they return, we're not watching great soccer here. It's going to be sloppy. It's going, we're going to have some turnovers. We're going to have some gaffes, but I think as we progress into this tournament, then we'll start to see the talent and the cream of the crop in this league rise to the top. So that is what we're looking forward to. It'll be interesting to see how they take this and try and parlay it into the rest of the season. That's what Don Garber wants. He's hoping to take this tournament and use it to kind of springboard the league into the fall where a truncated regular season would take place along with a full playoffs or maybe even an expanded playoffs. That remains to be seen. Now, just like the NWSL, we have a tournament where it's going to be set up kind of like a World Cup. That's the mentality that MLS is approaching with the MLS is back tournament. I'm, I'm not going to say that anymore because it's just it's just too long and, and, it's, and, it's, and it's not a good name. So uh, for this tournament, they have kind of broken up the entire league into six groups, three of them being Eastern Conference and three of them being from the Western Conference. Now, because there are 26 teams, we don't have a, you know, an easy, you know, nice number where we can divide them all into even groups. So because of that, Group A in the Eastern Conference will consist of six teams, while the rest of the groups, the other five, will consist of four teams. So in Group A, we have Orlando City facing Inter-Miami, New York City FC, Philadelphia Union, Chicago Fire, and Nashville SC. Now, one thing about Nashville Nashville, when the season started, they were supposed to be in the Western Conference, and they have now shifted to the Eastern Conference where they will remain for the rest of 2020. That makes a lot of sense because that is, the, in my opinion, that's the conference that they should have been in in the first place. But being in the Western Conference just didn't make a lot of sense to them, especially with the teams that we know are coming in uh, to the league later. It'll be interesting because they don't have the rivalry set up yet in either conference. So they have basically, they're the team that can walk in with a clean slate and they can kind of, you know, create some rivalries force some good games and, and really, you know, focus on their play. They will be in a group that features Orlando city and inter Miami, who will be the opening match on July 8th. Now the league has started to hype up this as a potential rivalry. They even had a, they even had a, an inkling to try and make it a rivalry and declare it one, one of the best in MLS, but these guys have not played yet. That will change on July 8th. It'll be great to see Orlando and enter Miami go at it. I'm not expecting it to be good because we've seen Orlando play. We've seen, and Miami is a new team. So let's not expect this to be Tottenham and Arsenal. Just expect this to be some clean old fashioned hate 
in some teams that just want to impress everyone and impress the world in their first day uh, of this tournament. Group B, Seattle Sounders, FC Dallas, Vancouver Whitecaps, and San Jose Earthquakes. Pretty decent uh, competition here. Group C, Toronto FC, the New England Revolution, Montreal Impact, and DC United. Uh, that seems like more of a traditional rivalry. Toronto and, and, and Montreal are fierce rivals, whereas the Revolution and DC United are also longtime foes. In Group D, Real Salt Lake, Sporting Kansas City, Colorado Rapids, and Minnesota United. This is a group where you have three teams, Real Salt Lake, Sporting KC, and Colorado Rapids, who hate each other. And then you also have the nicest rivalry in MLS in SKC and Minnesota United. Literally two teams that could not be nicer to each other, but on the field is always a great competition. In Group E, Atlanta United, FC Cincinnati, the New York Red Bulls, and Columbus Crew. Obviously, we have two budding rivalries here, one being the Hell is Real Derby between Cincinnati and Columbus, and also just the budding rivalry between Atlanta United and the New York Red Bulls. They both can have each other. It'd be, it's fine by me uh, as a DC United fan, but really when it comes to these two, uh, this group, it'll be interesting to see how these guys uh, play with each other. Uh, FC Cincinnati was not good last year. Let's see if they can improve after their offseason struggles and their locker room and front office issues that they've had. Let's see if they can turn it around. But when it comes to Atlanta and the Red Bulls, everyone's going to be focused on these two teams. But Columbus, don't count them out. They are a team to watch in Group E. And then finally in Group F, LAFC, LA Galaxy, Houston Dynamo, and the Portland Timbers. Now, I I don't know if you guys saw the draw. It was a draw where people were able to pick uh, numbers. And Charlie Davies was unlocking numbers and telling you which team it was. I think these guys knew which numbers held LAFC and the LA Galaxy. Not shocked whatsoever that they put El Trafico into one group by itself. This also becomes a very difficult group because the Portland Timbers and the Houston Dynamo were both playing pretty well at the start of the season. This will be a group that when these games are on, you will have to watch, especially El Trafico, where literally everything and anything can happen in those games. So the way this tournament is set up is with these groups, you're going to have the top two teams advance to the knockout stage and also some third place teams will advance to the knockout stage. So that'll make the last match day for all of these groups interesting. There's going to be matches every single day. We don't know the schedule yet, but matches every single day is going to make this feel like a World Cup. It's going to, when you get up, you're going to know exactly who's playing. You're going to know the groups and you're going to know people are going to be checking standings and scores. That is what MLS wants. They want people to be focused on the league, even if it's for a short window. And I, I like how they've set up that it's going to be a tournament style. I may have some issues with how the groups are laid out and how they did the draw, but the fact that they're trying to make it feel like a World Cup is what you want because you want fans to be able to tune in and be excited every single day. We're going to have that with this MLS is back tournament. Uh, I'd said, I wasn't going to say it, but it, it just, it just keeps ringing. I don't know. That that's probably part of their, their marketing plan. Uh, but when it comes to MLS, they will have that two teams from each group. The third place teams will form a knockout stage, and then they will play going up until what I believe is August 11th. So we're looking at about five weeks here. That is down from the 10 weeks that MLS originally wanted, but the players fought back because they didn't want to be out of their home markets for that long. But after this tournament is done, that's going to be the key. 
if they can get through this tournament without anybody getting sick, again, they will be in Orlando, Florida, one of the hot spots right now for coronavirus in the United States and even the world. If they can get through this tournament unscathed, then that will hopefully springboard into a truncated regular season that will lead all the way up to MLS Cup in probably mid to late December. Uh, we could be looking at a Christmas MLS Cup this year. That's that is the possibility, but there's a lot of things that have to fall into place for that to become a reality. And really, when it comes to MLS, they have to make sure that safety and the health of the players and the staff and everyone who's associated is paramount. They are going into literally a COVID war zone. It's it's there are people who are getting sick by by the thousands, and in Orlando and in Florida. They just don't seem to have a grip on it. And that has nothing to do with the players. It has nothing to do with the league. But the league knew what the possibility was when they got into this. They need to make sure that they're ready to go. They need to make sure that this bubble that they are assuming to, to, to have around the wide world of sports complex at, the, at Walt Disney World, they have to hope that they can get it together and they can make sure that that bubble remains a bubble. Because if it doesn't, if players be, or get sick, if staff get sick, again, one player can infect an entire league. We literally saw this in the NBA back in March. That's how sports stopped. One player got sick. Other, other players got sick based on the fact that they just played against them, that they lined up against them, and the league shut down. And then the world shut down. It literally shut down the world. I think that MLS is... Not necessarily, we don't know what their plans are to ensure the safety, other than the fact that they want to keep the players and and all the teams in this bubble. But they're going to have to be out front with this. They're going to have to say, this is what we're trying to do to ensure the safety of everyone involved with this. Because if they don't do that, then this tournament will end before it begins. And if players have to sit out, if players have to go home, if teams have to quarantine themselves and they can't play games, that is just going to be a disaster for this league. And, and, and same with NWSL. They've been more out front with some of their plans and they've been up front with players who have decided that they don't want to participate. And they've been supportive of that. There are reasons why some of these guys cannot play. And right now, we don't know who, if players are going to be impacted by this, if they're going to have to sit out. And if they do, what does that mean for the rest of the team? So, MLS has to come together. They have to make sure that this tournament that they're that they're doing is going to work. And they're going to have to put out a schedule at some point because we're less than three weeks away from the purported start of this tournament on July 8th. Maybe that's because they want to make sure everybody is safe and healthy and checks out with testing and everything. But July 8th is when this tournament is supposed to start sometime next week. Hopefully, Major League Soccer will come through with plans to make sure that this tournament is exactly the way it's supposed to be. And we can see some quality soccer with everyone being safe. Coming up after this break, we are going to dive into the EPL. We're going to dive into La Liga, Bundesliga, and really the Black Lives Matter movement that these leagues are throwing us. Stay tuned. More after this. Coming up on the other side of this break, we will discuss Fox's lethargic coverage of the Bundesliga and how the European leagues are pacing the field on an American issue. 
Stay tuned. Back with you on the Stars and Stripes FC podcast. We want to dive into the Bundesliga, which has been playing for about a month now. They have three more match days, and we already know that Bayern Munich has clinched its eighth straight Bundesliga title. But as we have progressed through all of these games after the restart of the league, there has been a lot left to be desired by the way Fox has been handling the coverage of the league. Traditionally, before the pandemic, we could understand and we would relate to the Bundesliga through their stories. Fox did a great job of working with the Bundesliga to tell the stories of some of these stars that they have in the league, especially the young American stars, Weston McKinney, Tyler Adams, Gio Reyna, Josh Sargent, Alfredo Morales, Timmy Chandler, even the younger guys that are kind of coming up in Bundesliga too, like Julian Green, Chris Richards. Those kind of stories really brought Americans to watch the league and to kind of latch on to some of these teams. They had pregame shows. They had highlights packages. They had halftime shows. They had postgame coverage and analysis. They had you know lookbacks at certain games. They would show uh, nice uh, features on some of these American stars and even some of the young stars that they have in the league. For example, Fonzo Davies, who played at MLS as a Canadian and now plays for Bayern Munich as well. But since the pandemic has uh, occurred and, and now that Bundesliga has come back, it's been at a kind of a cost because Fox has not put the effort into its coverage of the Bundesliga as it did before this pandemic started. Now, there's a reason behind all of that, and it's because this is the last year that the Bundesliga will be on Fox starting in the fall with the 2020-2021 season. The Bundesliga moves to ESPN Plus. Now, that would mean that we are in the final few weeks of having the Bundesliga on Fox. But instead of going out with a bang, Fox has gone out with a blunder. And really, they just haven't shown up to, the, to, to play ball when it comes to highlighting the league that is one, still one of their properties for another few weeks. There are no pregame shows when it comes to fans looking for in a in a covid world where there's very few sports on and they're looking for something to tune into a pregame show makes sense fox they haven't done them for any of the games usually when you turn it on in the morning you'll see a rerun of nascar or red bull flutog one of these little you know offshoot bmx or even just a rerun of one of the shows that fox has one of the news talk shows not having a pregame show is just unacceptable. That means that you're not already off the bat. You're not giving fans a reason to tune in. And fans now know, okay, I don't have to really turn to Fox or FS1 or FS2 until 9.29 for a game that starts at 9.30 or 2.29 for a game that starts at 2.30. Fox is missing a great opportunity to bring people back in to get people excited, to bring in new fans. You have to remember, when the Bundesliga came back, there was very little soccer on television that didn't involve a website or looking it up or, or paying for a service. 
or just having a VPN or something to try and find something on the other side of the world that happened to be playing live. The Bundesliga was right in front of our face. And Fox had a chance to put games on, on Big Fox. They had a chance to have pregame shows, have interviews with some of these athletes that were coming back to get people to endear to these players, to get new fans latched onto some of these players and some of these teams as we approached the final stretch of the Bundesliga. But there were no pregame shows. Also, during the games, there's no highlights. There's no halftime show. Very often we see it go, we, we see a bunch of commercials all appearing on all of the channels. It could be an old uh, look into one of the young players of the league, Tyler Adams or Weston McKinney, for example. We've seen sometimes where one of the teams like Bayern Munich will post a commercial that's five to 10 minutes long and every single channel has it running at the same time. I've, I've seen, you know, on Saturday mornings, I've had, you know, my laptop, my TV, you know, my iPads, my phone, all tuned into these Bundesliga games. And at halftime, they all look the same. They have the same segments, the same commercials. Box phoned it in. They had an opportunity to recap some of these games to say, hey, I know you're watching here on FS1, but here's what's going on on FS2. Here's this game that you should also be excited about. Here's this goal that you should watch. And then after the game, there is no post-game show. There's no breakdown. There's no analysis. There's no studio. It seems like Fox decided that it wasn't worth the effort to bring new fans into a game that they were about to lose. And I guess from a business standpoint, that may make sense. But from the standpoint of where we're at in this COVID world that we live in, this new normal, it makes no sense whatsoever. They had an opportunity to get new fans hooked onto their TV, hooked into their stations, hooked to some of the personalities that they have on Fox that we see all the time. And as and, and it's not like the Bundesliga is the only property that soccer that they have. They have MLS games that, that are coming back. They have you know, Liga MX. They have Copa Libertadores. They have Copa Sudamericana. They have some of these other competitions that when those return, Fox would have the personalities that people would latch onto and say, hey, I want to listen to these guys speak. I want to hear what they have to say. But we don't get that. Instead, we get artificial fan noise. And honestly, we sometimes don't even get commentary. If you are watching the two Bundesliga on Fox Soccer Match Pass, they completely phoned it in there. The internet doesn't work half the time. The website streaming service doesn't work. The app is completely gone. You can't access it on your TV. And even when you finally get all those things to work on your computer and you get your game going, there's no audio. It's just the players. There's no score bug, so you don't know what the score is. You still have to follow along with another one of your apps. And I think that's just wrong. It's sad. Fox had an opportunity to really put these leagues center stage and they decided not to do that. And I think it was a very big missed opportunity for them. Again, we have so many American stars that call the Bundesliga and the two Bundesliga home. We see them every week and to their credit, Fox has been putting a lot of those games right there on FS1 for people to see, but 
it doesn't matter if there's no pregame show. It doesn't matter if you're not talking about it. It doesn't matter if you're giving people the reasons why they should tune in to see West McKinney play, to see what they should be looking for on the field when they watch this guy go, to understand why Tyler Adams is playing right back for RB Leipzig when he is a center defense mid for the United States. Why Wes McKinney is playing literally every position and, and what has led to Schalke's fall, their free fall that they've had so far since the restart, even though he is playing really well, what is standing out from that? How Josh Sargent may not be scoring goals, but he's influencing the team on the stat sheet and everywhere else. What's going on with Gio Rena, how he's being worked in the Dortmund and why he really is the future of that team of the Bundesliga and whatever else he may touch. They have these opportunities. Chris Richards was on the bench the other day for Bayern Munich. There's no reason why Bayern Munich should have been the one to let us know that Fox should have been all over that. And they weren't. That's a missed opportunity to, for people to understand who Chris Richards is, where he came from, how he got to the point where he could have played for Bayern Munich, the Bundesliga champion, the eight-time defending Bundesliga champion. Fox is missing out. And because of that, they're losing a lot of fans. And when these and when the Bundesliga moves over to ESPN Plus, ESPN Plus, they're going to do this job. They're going to tell the stories. They're, the Bundesliga has been always on point with telling the stories of their young stars, tapping into that American potential, and directing some of their social media to make it so that it's beneficial and and consumable by American fans. They want to grow the base here just as just as much as any league does, and they're doing a great job via social media of doing it. But they need the help of the TV partner. ESPN Plus is going to be a great TV partner for them because they're going to give them the world to do it, and fans will be able to watch whatever game they want to watch. They won't be beholden to whatever is on a particular channel. But Fox had the chance to bring people back, and so far they flubbed it. And I think when it comes to that, it's really, really hard to understand why they would do that. Fox has to be better. ESPN, when they get the Bundesliga, they're going to have to step it up and make it so that it's a property worth viewing. They want people to tune in and see these stars play. A lot of American stars are calling calling Germany home, and we want to see them. And we want to learn about them. And we want them to become household names. As, as U.S. soccer fans, we all should want that, no, regardless of whether they're, they play for our team or not. And Fox had an opportunity, and they blew it. They were lethargic, and it has shown in their coverage. And I hope for the last few weeks they can think about trying some things because this is the opportunity to do so. The eyes of the world are upon you. And we have an opportunity for these last few match days to try some things out, to see how it'll work, because it's not going to be where Fox is losing everything. Fox is going to maintain some of this production. They still have the World Cup. They still have the Gold Cup. They still have Copa America. And when we have these properties, we want them to, we want to know that, hey, we saw how they did their Bundesliga coverage. This World Cup coverage is going to be okay. But right now we can't say that because – We've seen the lethargy that they've showed and expressed during these last few weeks. So let's hope over the next few weeks that they get it together and figure out 
what stories do need to be told as they sign off of the Bundesliga? What do they want fans to know about the Bundesliga? What do the fans want to know about the, some of these players that they will once again see on Fox as a member of the United States men's national team? Let's hope they do that because if they can't, once again, a huge opportunity to grow the game here in the United States will be lost and a huge opportunity to promote the stars that need promoting will also be lost. Our final segment on this episode, we're going to go back to Europe and the return of several leagues. The Premier League is back. La Liga is back. Serie A is coming back this weekend. And I want to talk, but it's not going to be about soccer. What I want to focus on is bigger than that. I want to focus on the leagues and what they're doing to show support for the Black Lives Matter movement, and also just showing support to end racial injustice in this country and how they are out showing and outwoking the leagues here in the United States. We'll start in the EPO, which is just now their first game was on Wednesday. And when these guys came out to play, the entire league before that announced that every single player in the league, every single player on all 20 teams in the English Premier League would be wearing Black Lives Matter as their name on the back of their jerseys. They also have a Black Lives Matter patch that will be worn the rest of the season. And they even showed thanks to uh, the healthcare workers in England with an NHS sticker or NHS patch that was worn on the front. Now, the EPL has come out and they have really stepped up. Everyone that played on Wednesday took a knee before the start of the game. They had a moment of silence to honor COVID victims. They knew that the platform was there. They knew that the eyes of the world were on them and they responded in kind. They made sure that everyone knew that this is an issue around the world. This issue that I would say originated in the United States, but it really didn't. It, it has been perpetuated in the United States, has been elevated in the United States. But this movement of racial injustice in this country has been taken up by countries abroad, and they are killing it. They are absolutely showing the support that I know needs to be shown. In Germany, when players are taking the knee, they're wearing T-shirts, they're wearing armbands. Weston McKinney risked being fined to wear an armband that said justice for George Floyd. And he didn't care. And honestly, I didn't care either. I would have helped him pay it if I if I could. Obviously, at the in the end, with his display, with other guys taking a knee, putting their fists in the air, and showing support for this movement, the Bundesliga backed up and said, "Listen, we hear you, we see you, we understand, and we want to give you this platform to make the statements that you guys want to make to challenge us to be better, to challenge the world to be better." And they have. Teams now have been taking knees. They've been showing support in other ways. But the Bundesliga has stepped up. So has the EPL. La Liga just came back also this past week. And when it comes to La Liga, they had were you know, crippled by coronavirus. And just like us, they had a lot of people, they had a lot of cases, they had a lot of deaths. And they have been focusing on that. 
in this comeback for them that just started. They're going to be playing games nonstop for the next four weeks to get all of their games in just in case there is a second outbreak. And they, they're trying to get everything in to get back on track and, and avoid that issue. Uh, and then with Serie A, Serie A is coming back this weekend. We've seen shows of support from Serie A teams. Now, you may sit there and kind of chuckle to yourself because Serie A has had some racial issues in the last year, not even the last year. They There was a month of you know maybe two or three months in a row where every single weekend, it seemed, some Serie A team was doing something racial against a black player, showing that they could didn't get it. And when it comes to Serie A, the words don't mean as much because we've seen the actions. We need to see the reactions. We need to see what Serie A as a league, all these individual teams are going to do to rid racism from their game. And showing it on a t-shirt is a good step. It's a first step, but it's not enough. They have to do better. But when it comes to the United States, when it comes to Major League Soccer, when it comes to the NWSL, USL, and the NISA, and other leagues, they better step up. I'm not, I'm not asking them. I'm telling them. They better step up because this is the problem here in the United States. This is the problem that originate here in the United States. That movement originate here in the United States. And they cannot be shown up by the rest of the world. They just can't. I know the players are are hurting. I know the players want to do something. The league has to step in and say, this is how we're going to respond. Be more than just words. These teams need to step up and be more than just the statements that they put out. Because if they're not, if if we look back and we see that the statements that they had and, and you know, taking a knee virtually was just lip service, they're going to lose a lot of traction. They're going to lose a lot of fans. This movement is taking off. Everyone needs to get on board. But these leagues especially need to show that they recognize how they have contributed to it and what they're going to do to make this better, what they're going to do to create the platforms and, and the dialogue and open up the lines of communication so that they can improve in these areas. And when they do that, they need to be public with it. They need to come out and say, we messed up. This is our bad. I'll tell you a quick story. Uh, a couple of weeks ago, Major League Soccer had a survey. And one of the surveys, they, they send out periodic surveys. I'm on that list along with a lot of fans. The survey that was being sent around this particular week was on the response of the league to coronavirus and how they can make the game more entertaining and also more engaging for fans while they're sitting at home. And at the end of the survey, normally they have uh, a couple of uh, demographic boxes, age, income, race. And on the race page for the race question, they listed five races. Not one of them was African-American or black. Not one of them was Latino or Hispanic. That's a big problem. So I called them out on it. Online, I went up and said, this right here in the middle of a racial movement, you're going to, when we're talking about Black Lives Do Matter, you are telling me that we don't exist by not putting the option to identify as black on that survey. 
for Hispanics and, and Latinas like, to not be able to identify themselves on a on a survey. It's not a sur- it's not like we have to be added. This is something that we have been in every single survey since the beginning of time. And to be excluded from that felt like a directus because you have to actively remove that from a survey. It's not like you have to find us in an encyclopedia or in Wikipedia to spell it. It is the first or second option on every single survey that you have. And they just plain left us out. So I called them out on it. Uh, of course, it got a lot of traction. It was right in the middle of everything um, here in D.C. Uh, There's a lot going on. Uh, it was a, not a great time. But I let them have it. And the next day was Blackout Tuesday. Now, the league came out with a statement on Blackout Tuesday, and then they went dark to show what they said was to show solidarity. But in the end, we didn't hear an apology. I got one privately, but we didn't get one publicly. That was a public survey. And they didn't address it publicly. They didn't own it. And they didn't say how they were going to make it better. They didn't say how they were going to improve. That's a big problem because other leagues have stepped up and said, we need to do better. Here's how we plan to do better. They've let their players tell them that, but they have not stepped up to the plate. MLS has not stepped up to the plate. NWSL has been out in the front for a lot of issues, but when it comes to this, we haven't seen as much from them. Is it because the challenge cup is coming up and that's where their focus is? That's fair, but that shouldn't be their focus. Their focus should also be on what is in front of us in this country, what lies ahead of us. And if they can't do that and they get shown up by leagues around the world, then you're going to lose those fans to those leagues. People will stop watching MLS and they'll keep watching EPL and they'll keep watching the Bundesliga and they'll keep watching even Serie A. NASCAR has even been one of those leagues that have stepped up to the plate a lot more than Major League Soccer. They got rid of an institution in their league. They got rid of the Confederate flag. That is a major statement. They let a, a black driver, the only black driver, Bubba Wallace, drive with a Black Lives Matter car. MLS really needs to step up. NWSL really needs to step up. USL needs to step up. All of these leagues need to look themselves in the mirror and say, we have to do better. We have to show America that we are really about what we say we're about. Because if you don't, fans will find something else to watch. And in this time, you cannot afford to lose fans because you didn't want to stand up for some of your own. That's going to do it here for us on episode 13 of the Stars and Stripes FC podcast. Remember, if you guys have questions, if you guys have topics you want me to discuss, hit me up, ssfcpodcast at gmail.com. You can also comment on the post when we have it up later on on Friday. But until next time, until next week, we will be previewing the NWSL Challenge Cup when we come back. But until then, this is the SSFC Podcast. We'll see you soon.